we can't really mess this up. If you are praying and relying and, you know, humbly submitting yourself to say, I'm doing the very best I can and recognizing those things where you are putting your heels in the ground that are sin patterns and having other people speak into it and listening to it and then correcting it and then coming back again and messing up again, going back to that person and saying like, why couldn't I do that again? You just told me this a week ago. I think that's the pattern. That's the Christian life. And I think that's parenting. Welcome to the Disciple Making Youth Ministry Podcast, where we talk about the calling of youth pastors to equip students for the work of making disciples moving teens from church attenders to disciple makers. Here are your hosts, Joel Friend and Jeremy Collins. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Disciple Making Youth Ministry Podcast. So glad to be with you here today. I'm excited about this episode, uh, mostly because I think we're, we're breaking a mold in terms of mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. youth ministry podcasts. Most of these guys you listen to on there, they're talking about you know how to minister to parents and what you can do to minister to parents and all these different things. But we're going to do something out of the box. We invited a parent to be on our podcast here today. We have with us Anne-Marie, uh, and she actually goes to uh, my church at New Community. And Anne-Marie, we love that you're on the podcast here today. And we uh, uh, love the idea of you coming on to share a little bit about your perspective as a parent as in terms of like raising your kids up in the faith, also partnering with the church. You're also a very busy person. Well, why don't you share a little bit about yourself before we jump in here? So I'm Anne-Marie. I am, I've been married for 20 years. We have five kids. The youngest is eight and then 10, 12, 10, 12, <laughs> 14, and almost 17. Okay. So you're in the evens right now. We're on the evens. Yeah. yeah. They just had birthdays, so I might've messed that up actually. <laughs> um, but They're probably not. They listening. don't know when this is yeah. actually coming out, so it, we get switched up a little bit. Oh, there, there you go. Have you ever, because you have five, do you have you ever forgotten one of their birthdays, like on accident? Mm. Not forgotten their birthdays. We forget their names often. <laughs> we forget them often. Um, and I'm trying to think that you don't have. Okay, all of your, you know, you never went to like everybody's like a J. No. In your household. You, now everybody's George. Like George Foreman's kids, they're all named George. No, I don't think when we were having kids, we weren't that smart. Okay. That's good. <laughs> also, Jeremy's here. Hello. Uh, we- <laughs> I'm I'm enjoying. Yeah, the you weren't fly, yeah you weren't flying solo here today. No, so yeah, I'm here. So we, you and I combined, we still don't have as many kids as Anne Marie no. and her husband do. Uh, so it's impressive. I have two and. I I don't have patience left. So oh my gosh, you're you're like in that fra- that that phrase or phrase that phase right now where they are what what are their three age? and six. Woof, woof. I I love my three year old. I keep telling me that. I tell myself that every morning I wake up. I love, love her dearly. My- I do. I tell my Ooh. kids often. So I was like, you know, his mercies are new every morning. But at <laughs> night, I'm like, I'm mommy is running out of mercies. Yes. Um, yes. So we're gonna just have to. Well, and and, and I quick think- tuck, quick tuck to bed, and they'll be renewed tomorrow. But right now, we are done. Well, and that's one of the things. So I was talking about some students with this the other day, and I think that it can get confusing because it's so easy to talk about some of those challenges of kids and having young kids and and just multiple kids, but it's also not always as easy. We don't talk enough about the beauty of it and the the joy of it and how it's such a beautiful thing. Um, And so I'm going to share one of those brief stories here as we get started to, because it just happened the other day. So I, I preached this past Sunday at our church and we were looking at Matthew chapter 10 and I opened Matthew chapter 10 and I'm reading through it. And it's this list of the 12 disciples in Matthew 10 and my daughter, who is six, looks at me and goes, Daddy, were there 12 disciples because there were 12 tribes of Israel? And I was just like, oh, I love you so much. <laughs> Thank you. There you go. Oh, it was just, it's one of those moments. It's like, oh, you are listening, even right. though you don't eat your dinner and you don't. Yeah. Yeah. Do my, kid, my kids listen a little too well sometimes. <laughs> they'll, like there'll be something like that's going on in another room. And they'll, and my son the other day was like, you know, I do listen to everything that you, you actually say. And I'm like, okay. So my, uh, I'll just share this on the podcast. So my daughter, so my daughter shared with us that somebody, some kid on her bus taught her the F word. Mm. And I was like, oh, like, cause in the past she said like, I know the S word. I'm like, what is it? And she goes, stupid. And I'm like, I'm like, Oh, okay. So then I was like, what's, oh, what's the F word? And she said the right one. Uh, and I was like, oh, and I was like, you know, talking about like, have you ever heard mommy or daddy ever say that? And she's like, no, I was like, there's a reason for that. And so that was a good discipleship mm-hmm. moment about why yeah. we don't use that particular word. Now, 
you have you, you have a wide range, Anne Marie, of time with kids. Like, what was your favorite phase of life with your children? As you think about, you know, every season's different. And I think God's grace has been that I have five children, so I keep on getting to practice mm. with each season over and over again. So I definitely think the younger two are benefiting from <laughs> that younger discipleship. Yeah than my older ones did. Mm-hmm. Um, but the older, you know, there we have teenage life now. Mm-hmm. We have, you know, one that's driving, and then we still have the, you know, elementary school where she can't read, <laughs> you right, know, well. Right. So we have that whole range. So we, we have to change. The, it depends on the season, but I have loved every... I love the younger two now because there's not a baby in the house. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I think with the older ones, I was always carrying a baby. So that was a very hectic and overwhelming time. So the younger ones now are feeling, I feel like they are my babies still, but they can understand things. They want to sit, they want to read, um, where I didn't have that same season with the older ones. But my older ones, you know, it's like my teenage daughter. It's just like, we can now talk about real things. Right. And mm. she's, you know, she's smart and she has great questions and they're real questions. And so she can challenge me. She can read things. She can come back and it's like, hey, I learned this at Bible study or I learned this at school. And we can, you know, dissect that or talk Mm -hmm. about that. Um, And you can really show even your own humility in it is that you're not always the teacher. My kids are probably smarter than me on Mm -hmm. a lot of things. And so it's great to learn with them. Yeah, I think uh, I was thinking about Noah is getting into the attitude phase. Like, and it's actually not as much as with me as it is with my wife. Like, I don't know what it is about Amber, but like, well, the joke is the running joke in our house is that like, Noah is the like female version of Amber. Like everything about him and the, the my male wife, version. Sorry, my bad. <laughs> we won't go down that road. So the male version of Amber, you know, and, and it's just so interesting and in how. But it's like it's an amazing like how the people with the most similar personalities tend to butt heads. Yeah, the most. And I think that's the houses. other thing. It's the yeah. different seasons that they're in, yeah. and then it's their personalities. Oh yeah. Like my oldest is much different than the other ones, and so some of them they want to listen to you know like they want to take your input. I have other ones that are like, I know everything in the world and I am an expert on that. I don't need to hear it. So mm. it's learning see, whatever season they're in and then them as a person, what they, how they learn, how they love, what their love languages even are, just growing to know them better. So yeah, it, well, it's nice is when you, you know, you, you tend to gravitate towards your more agreeable child at times, right? It's just like, oh, you're going to do exactly what it is that I, like, okay, I'm going to go do that thing. But then you have the one that oh, butt, butts head with you. But it's funny. It's funny. It's like, you know, five kids. And uh, one of our, um, a guy we know, one of our pastors at our church, Adam, he always talks about you have to treat everybody exactly differently, right? So when you think about even the concept of discipling your own children and raising up your kids in the faith, you have to sort of do that exactly differently too. So it's not always going to work the same method across the board. You know, we were talking before we started, some people like audiobooks, some people like to read books, some people like to read their audiobooks, well, well read their books while they're listening to the audio. That's you, Anne Marie. So, you know, uh, share with us a little bit about like, you know, as a parent, what does it look like for you to uh, disciple your own children all these years? I think the first thing, like the first thing that comes to mind is just it's imperfect. Um, mm. And I think that's the thing that I learned when I started out in parenting, I thought this was going to be like this holy moment in the living room sitting for mm-hmm. a solid 15 to 30 minutes. Everybody would be captivated by the word of God and um, and they would go reciting scriptures on their way out. It was nothing like that. Um, and so I think that. <laughs> I think that it's yeah. like that adjustment of realizing how much, you know, God's role is really in this and that you are, he's using you in it, but you're very imperfect. And to really, a lot of time, I think just, I wish I could go back and have prayed more. I think what I spend now looking back is there's more time spent in prayer than even creating some sort of strategy in terms of discipleship. Um, with I sort of split up. We have with the age group, um, the younger two are girls and they are eight and ten. And so they kind of will do things together. They're at the same level. Um, I, I brought a couple, a bunch of resources here. These are the ones that if I had to pull like these are the ones that I would keep in terms of the whole span that I've come back to because I've tried every method and model, I feel like, of different family discipleship. And a lot of it did not work. Mm. Um, but what I found, there's one book and it's called Family Discipleship. And they break it down and they break it into time um, moments and milestones. Mm. And I think that's mm. what I've thought of with 
the different seasons as our kids have been in it is how can we intentionally create that time? How can we intentionally use moments to um, show the gospel to them? And then how can we celebrate those milestones that they enter into? So if I look at time for the different kids, one of the things that I found is like the younger ones is they want me to tuck them into bed still. You know, Mm -hmm. we're still doing, they're very much into routine. They can't shower themselves. They can't, you know, go to bed themselves. (laughs) You're tucking them in. They want, you know, like they want that time. So that's the time where we really use it to read to them and, um, you know, focus that time. The other time is that I'm driving them to school. And so that's also time that I think of how can I use that time intentionally. And so um, those are the time for them. Now, the older three, we've started seeing the transition because the oldest one just got his license Mm -hmm. a couple months ago. We lost the time in the car. So during the middle school years, we had time and time was usually spent in the car. And so what we really intentionally tried to think about is that when we're driving to school, we're driving to a lot of sports practices, we're driving to a lot of travel teams. So we'll be on a three hour drive to, you know, Columbus. How can we use that time intentionally in those spaces instead of everybody put their earphones on and, um, and veg out during that time, which was a lot easier than saying, okay, everybody come and after dinner, we're going to have 30 minutes or let's wake up early before school. We tried all of that. Mm -hmm. It just, we didn't have that attention span Mm -hmm. um and so what we for us that time ended up being car time and trying to use that um and then as the older ones now now we really have to look at every week because they have he has his own car they are getting picked up by friends with their own car Mm -hmm. and so we don't even really know where they are (laughs) physically right right and so now we try to look at the week and we say you know at least you know are these the nights that we have open and we can protect them and say this is going to be our family time where we would go through kind of what our family worship practices would look like yeah do you feel like you're in the phase right now where you're still trying to figure that out or do you feel like you got something you know, down, so every season go. it changes. So yeah. I think we have to evaluate, you know, what works in that particular season. So for the younger ones, we actually, the book that um, we love and we go over and over is called the Gospel Story Bible. I don't know if you guys have seen this one. It goes through the whole Bible. But what I love is that it gives a note in the end to tie everything to the gospel. And so that just gives us a great like I, I think with the younger ones and the older ones, too, you have to repeat the same thing over a thousand times before they start to get it and then you have to repeat it Mm. over again you know like you were talking about your Noah and I always joke it took us so long for Noah to be like he's like wait Noah Noah from Noah's in the ark and I'm like okay (laughs) yes and we've talked about the story over and over again please do not go to church on Sunday and say you've never heard the story and I mean you know my Noah too he sometimes is like in this la la land and he'll be like oh I've never heard of that before and I'm like it's your namesake at least know that one bible story And so I think it's just like that's the repeating over and over and over again. So what I've tried to do is like not even overcomplicated is like I've been sticking with this book, reading it over and over Mm -hmm. with those younger kids. And it's still like they'll be like, oh, and I'll be like, okay, we've read this like three times and we're back to it again. You should now be picking up on this faster. But it does take that repetition Mm -hmm. with them. The other thing with those younger ones is I have these cards and they're from a um, she's it's called Tiny Theologians, but they're just these, um, you know, pocket sized cards. And we keep these in the car. Right. And they're A to Z. And the one that we focus on are the A to Z's of God's attributes. Mm. And so some of the things what I've learned is like, hey, if we if we're going to leave here, there's so many things that you can be trying to instill in your kids and what I've learned is like if they can take away like the attributes of God and we go through them in the car and we, every day it's just one so it's super short and it's like you've got this like A to Z so you can be like what's A you know and so A is all-knowing and so then what we do at night then we talk about how do we see that attribute mm-hmm. today once they start moving into actually reading the Bible then that's like a first thing to Bible literacy is like well, where's the attribute of God that you see here and they've already started to condition to think think through those A disease that they can start to use that later. So those are two things that I've seen, like being able to start carrying them throughout the different years that's worked. I have like 35 questions. So <laughs> I want to try to figure out which one I want to start with because I even not even mentioned the ones they have in front of me. So which one do I want to start with first? All right. I'll start with that one. Jeremy, you can chime in at any time, but the no, my question enjoying is enjoying listening. Yeah. 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 So, um, Sometimes, I mean, you have the benefit of, you know, a believing husband and, you know, you know believing wife, right? And so how do you guys arrive together on the, like, the plan of how to actually disciple your kids together? Because 
I know your husband very well, and his approach is a little bit different than and your his, his approach is a lot of different than your approach and how you might do things. So, like, how do you try to arrive at the same way uh, at the same end in two different ways? Sanctifying, challenging. <laughs> yeah. One of the main purposes of marriage. Uh, right there, so. The benefit for Joel, he does know my husband. We're very different in how we approach. Yeah. Um, basically anything. Um, <laughs> That might even be putting it mildly. Yeah, <laughs> we, we we just have it was really funny because I just was listening to the the talk um, yes. from church. Yeah. yeah, and so I told him I was like, I'm going to register your email address and you're going to listen to it so that we can discuss so that we can the talk is a talk about sex. Yeah, and I was like, so we can. Re-, he's like, we have already covered this, and I was like, well, now that we're moving into another stage of life, I think we should listen mm. to this, and the culture's changing, and we want to prepare them. And so even with that, it was like he argues, he's like, no, he's like. It's two hours. You know, he's not going to spend two hours listening to anything. It was he's, good. He's it a very, you know, there. like if it's tweetable, that's around the amount of time <laughs> that he can like spend on it. Um, yeah, Walt, if you could just like shrink, you know, two hours down into 560 <laughs> so characters. He, so he that'd did be say, great. he's like, you know, what are the main two points? <laughs> That really should make me listen to this. I'm only laughing because I know your husband. So and so then sometimes I'm like I'm so exhausted by like trying to put this into like a business plan for you. Like <laughs> yeah. that we I think this is important. Um, and so then I was just like, how about I just I'm gonna put a prayer request into Joel. <laughs> that we need to so talk about this it's time for a movie night and you get out the laptop you open the laptop hit play so so i think like specifically with our relationship shane is much more um sort of he's very spontaneous actually the kids listen to him really well he's um he's super fun he's really involved he's like a very hands-on parent um he doesn't like bring his work into our family very much he's always like he goes to all their award shows things at school talent show all these things he just works his life you know for them so they really respect him in that i'm a little bit more super intentional i you know i'm like we need a family mission and we need to have five goals (laughs) this year once january 1st hits i'm like we need you know and so then he literally like we went to Jimmy's diner to do our, what I, I make us do this, you know, like get together as a family and to map out, you know, like what are our goals? What do we want to accomplish? How do we want to send them off? we got a teenager going there. And so I had this printed out, like I have all these questions for us to ask each other and just calibrate. And I had like matching pens for us and we went to this restaurant. And so the waitress, she was like, oh, she was like, um, this is separate checks. You guys are in like a meeting, business meeting. And so he was mortified. He was just like, see, we're not even married. She thinks we're at a business meeting with your oh, printed papers and matching pens. So that's kind of our personalities and how we uh, interact. So to back to your questions, it's usually me like, hey, you know, I think we should talk about some things. Oh and um, he'll be like, okay, roll your eyes. But I mean, we've, kind of, we've been married 20 years. He's kind of gotten used to it. And so then um, he usually gets, you know, grouchy initially and then I have learned like just an immense amount like I get very proud of my patience level because I just know like just let him sit within a minute right and then I'll just sort of you know say well never mind I guess this is not important and then he'll <laughs> just passively he'll come back around and <laughs> have a thing and and it all and it all works out so oh my gosh so, I don't know if anyone can take that to actually apply to their own personal life, but it is it is very sanctifying um, for both of us. Well, you know, the one, sorry, I know. I Sorry, Jeremy. So, no, go. So the, the interesting thing about it, too, is like, I, I know you. You are a unicorn of a human being in terms of your preparedness and your, your, your drive and your passion. But I think some people might resonate with that because I think sometimes you do have one spouse that really just tries to you know, move the other one along. It's not to say that, you know, your husband doesn't want to do those things. I just think you're just, he might need that a little bit too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can be that way in our family. It's just like, okay, this is like a really good end and you just got to, you know, get the person heading in that direction. It just takes a little bit of momentum. So like what, you know, maybe what might you say to encourage someone who is, they feel like they're, I'm not saying this is your situation. I think your situation is unique and you and your husband are really working together well. But what about a situation where maybe there is one parent who is the driver, even though the other spouse is a is a, a believer as well? Because sometimes you do have the situation where, and I'm sure you've run into it, one spouse is a believer and the other isn't, and there's complications with even that. But like, what would you encourage the person who may be feeling frustrated 
by the other person not getting on board. I mean, I think the first thing is you have to remember even to take you're being sanctified through it. So when you are being frustrated, when you are seeing that anger towards the other person, when you're creating some bitterness, if you are getting to the point where you're like, oh, well, I'm going to hold back to you. I'm going to get, you know, not talk to you. I'm not, you know, like these types of things. That's the only like God's working in you because you probably have some sort of idol of control that is rearing its ugly head as part of that. So I think once you start to identify that, you really just need to be, prayerful as you approach it I think it took me probably many you know like in the beginning of our marriage we are not where we are now where we figured out the dynamic and um and as I tell Shane I'm like and I always win Um, (laughs) (laughs) so I wasn't as confident of that you know and I think that that's where what I had to learn is also learn him you learn how he grew up the way he is is now is built into a lot of he went to Christian school from basically from birth through college Mm -hmm. he grew up in a more legalistic environment so he sees like as he goes into his children the things that he saw he was like he can feel it I did not grow up in a Christian home so I like anything that I could get a hand I was like a sponge I wanted to have these people I wanted to have you know people pouring into me um and so when I view it, then I'm like, well, this is what I would have wanted at 12 years old. And so when we can talk about that and see our personalities and what influence that, mm-hmm. I think then you can have a lot more grace with each other and to see like what works and what doesn't. I don't think you ever want to force your partner in this to do anything that they're so extremely uncomfortable with just because you want to I think that's also um, you know things that I've struggled with is even just this idolatry of the ideal like I think that you should be doing this acting this in addition to doing this and acting this and so sometimes you have to bend a little bit in ways that might not be this ideal picture for your family um, but it's accomplishing the work that God wants to be done in your family to nurture them this is so to your background a little bit, because I think this is really interesting because I think many folks don't necessarily have a vision or an idea of what discipleship in the home looks like. And you didn't grow up with that. Uh, Shane may have grown up with that more. How did you two come together to say, hey, we need to be really intentional about us being the ones teaching our children, not just outsourcing that to a church Sunday school program alone? What? Was that just a gradual thing? Did you kind of just know that right away? Was that part of your faith walk together? How, how did you come to that decision of, hey, let's try this and see if this works, try this, see if that works? Because I have a feeling that there might be some people listening who either have not thought very long and hard about what discipleship might look like in their home or are sitting now going, I need to start and I don't know what to do. Um, so how did you come to that conclusion or what brought you to that? thought process, not seeing it as a kid growing up, obviously. I think that comes back to saying that you're an imperfect parent. And I think Mm. most parents are going to be, maybe there's a few out there that really had an idea when that baby came home, exactly what to do, say, disciple them, and also feed them, clothe them, (laughs) you know, keep them (laughs) alive that come along with that in addition to their own keeping their finances, you know, all, all of Mm. those things going along. I don't think anybody, there's not a real rule book or a cookbook that's going to follow you through that so i think it's been a lot of fumbling and fails and conversations like this like okay i you know i remember being at a friend's house and she had this amazing chore chart and it was like you know it's like color coordinated and they're getting up at like six in the morning and they're all coming down and doing their family devotions and i'm thinking i gotta take a picture of this Mm -hmm. and see if i can implement this with my family and try and do that and i think what i learned is like there's a lot like you've got to trust that the Holy Spirit is going to guide you in it. And so that I think it just is a lot of prayer and a lot of trial and error and practice. And I think it's the the church, it's other people, it's finding people that are a little bit ahead of you to say, okay, how would you like, as I'm entering the teenage years, I actually have a woman that is basically like my teenage, specifically for the teenage years, just answer those questions of like, well, what would you do in this situation? And she knows me. So she knows that I might have some, um, you know, legalistic tendencies. And so I might, and I might have some control issues and I might have these like (laughs) idol, idol, you know, like these different idolatries. And she knows these sin patterns that creep in for whatever reason that they creep in. So when it's like, okay, we're setting a curfew and this is what it's going to be. And here's what's happening when you're, you know, this is what it's going to look like. 
she can come back and turn around and say like you're you're hurting the relationship you're mm-hmm. you're damaging things here and see from the outside here's what maybe you do or here's the battle you want to you know win you know I, I know that this might be like what how everything you want all these ducks to line up and go walking but you might have to just say this is okay and what's what's why are you getting caught up on this and sometimes it'll be like well what I don't somebody else is going to think this about me or this somebody's you know, it's like all these other things will creep in and usually it's about me mm-hmm. and so I think it's just coming back again to your own imperfections and relying on God's grace that he loves your children more than you do. Mm-hmm. And so the beauty in that is that we are, we can't really mess this up. If you are praying and relying and, you know, humbly submitting yourself to say, I'm doing the very best I can and recognizing those things where you are putting your heels in the ground mm-hmm. that are sin patterns and having other people speak into it and listening to it and then correcting it and then coming back again and messing up again, going back to that person and saying like, why couldn't I do that again? You just told me this a week ago. Mm-hmm. I think that's the pattern. Over, that's the Christian life. And I think that's parenting. Well, and, and uh, it's interesting to, to have this conversation because earlier this week I was listening to some podcasts and things. And I heard the statistic uh, came from the Billy Graham Association a little while ago that 94% of people that were following Christ had at some point in their life grown up in the faith that 6% of the people who are converted to Christianity come with zero pre-Christian connection. Mm. Um, I have a feeling if you did that again, that, that statistic might skew a little bit more towards less and less. So even say if it's 30% and 70%, it just shows the weight of... Christian discipleship in the home is the primary means that God uses to keep kids in the faith. Um, And when we look at Christianity as a whole in a tradition, youth ministry is a blip in that radar or in that time frame. I think it's a, it's a good blip and it's a blip I'm glad to be a part of, but I think that the, the design of God has always been to use two parents, a husband and a wife mentoring, discipling, caring for their kids uh, and scripture is pretty clear about that. So I think that there is no higher calling. And I think that that is something we can keep holding in front of parents. And that's the challenge is in youth ministry, we want to spend time with your kids. But at the same time, if a parent looks at me and goes, they're not coming to Bible study because we're doing Bible study. I have to go, okay, good. <laughs> if I never see your kid, that's okay because I know he's being discipled or they're being discipled. But that can sometimes be a hard place to get to personally as a youth pastor because like i want to spend time with your kids but if i know that discipleship is happening in the home then that's the win uh, at least in my mind it is yeah i, I want to move our conversation to the next next question especially regards to the church because you and i have had conversations about the importance of the members of the body of christ pouring into your own children right so yeah. uh kara powell uh she works at the fuller youth institute she has a really great phrase it's called social scaffolding and it's the idea of not that you need, you know, the ratio used to be for every one student, you'd have five or no, for every five uh, students, you'd have one leader. The what you really need in order to make an impact is for every one student, you need five healthy adults in their life to be able to pour into them. And I know you deeply believe that. So, you know, how has the church come alongside of your family, not even just new community church, but like how has the big C church come alongside your family to help you and Shane help raise your kids in the faith? So I, I think that exactly what you said, I, I strongly believe that there has to be other people. And I also like I can see, especially as my kids are now going to a new phase of um, life and maturity, is that they don't want to do what I want them to do. <laughs> Maybe that's not new. <laughs> Maybe that's been forever. But, um, you know, sometimes it's having other people enter in, invite them to, you know, if Joel, you say to one of my kids, you know, you want to come to Bible study or one of your other buddies is coming or something like that. That's so much more powerful than me saying, okay, it's Tuesday. Do you want to? It's just like Mm. this feels to them like it's emptying the dishwasher. It's going Mm. to Bible study. It's no longer fun. And I think that's where it's like as the church, um, we just had the circumstance with my older one. He went to we do the family brunch every other week at church and it's just a group of people. And I was like, you know 
you're, com- you're coming and then you can drive separately. You can leave a little bit early. But one of the um, quite older gentlemen of the church were there and he is a very gifted athlete and um, and he's smart. He has a lot of he understands even the college recruiting process. And he got into a con- he initiated to my son and got into a conversation and was like, you know, have you started looking at colleges and have you started doing X, Y and Z? And I'm kind of listening overhead and I'm like, you know, sort of rolling my eyes like I've had this conversation with him a thousand times. Well, the maturity of my oldest and the way he was able to speak and articulate and talk to this other man of the church, I was like, I just would have never expected that. Mm. And so then my son, you know, left that and he was like, yeah, I'm going to get ready for this. Start thinking about the SAT. He's going to start doing this. You know, it's like, and I'm thinking... Oh, I, I couldn't decide if I was like right. happy or sad at right. that moment. But I think that's the reality is like we're not meant to do that alone. And I don't think that he would have ever heard me. It was like mom's nagging me again to pick up the stuff on my floor. But he's got a girlfriend now and it's amazing. Thinks he's he's showering. You know, his room is cleaned up. <laughs> the car is clean. The trash is going out. You know, it's like, so it's amazing how just the other people can spur this... change um, in these ways where I'm like, okay, it's only taken me 17 years to try and get to this point, but I'm glad that this is what's the, the consequence. So I think that's where it's the it's the people of the church it's other christians that come in you know even you know we we were making pies for thanksgiving for a service project mm-hmm. at the church and there was another dad there and they had to go get more pie crust and he he was the one that initiated he took one of my kids like how about one of you boys come with me and we'll go they had that drive over and it was just like you know what's going on what's going on in life but it wasn't like oh my mom's making me go meet with you know right. mr this person and my have mentors, to talk about this and yeah. make yeah. all these things like he he reached out to him. He initiated it. And then now when they see each other, um, you know, in passing or if we get together, we do things. It's not like they're friends. They're their own people. He can call them and say, we're getting a couple guys together to play basketball. And then they do it. It's not like, well, mom's making me play basketball with the youth group leader. Right, right, right. Um, and I think that's even like how they've become comfortable with you, Joel, is because we did spend a lot of time and just like in small group or more casual environments where it was a little bit... Um, natural and mm-hmm. and it wasn't always me pushing out but it was the body also coming in and investing into our family um even at the level like you know babysitters that we've had and other people that have come into the house have invested in that way um with the kids yeah, and that's see. just god's grace that they've put he's put so many great people in their lives well and i think that to to recognize that to tell those stories it helps those who have those younger kids because i see how many People are in the life of my kids on Sunday morning. They're running around. They know everyone in the church, but they're not quite yet at that point where they can start having actual conversations. Um, But they're getting there. And to keep that in mind, that this is why being in person together as the body of Christ gathered continually is an essential mark of the church that we can't just do this virtually and say that that's enough because you lose that. You lose these interconnected family relationships that when we're talking about this again, from a covenantal standpoint, we're all brought into this same family covenant under God. And that's what this is supposed to be. Um, But yes, we live in very different time now than back then. And it's very much divided. We go back to our own homes, we get in our cars we're not necessarily together as much as we could be. Um, but I've definitely seen the fruit of that. And if I look back at many of the students that have stuck in ministry or stuck in their faith, it's because of those extra connections that was past just their parents or just me as their youth leader. And I think about my kids on a, especially a Sunday morning too, is like, I always want my children to equate church with a positive experience yeah. Yeah. of like going and being part of this and, and, and I, and I often say the reason why we're here is not always the reason why you're here. You know, like we, we have reasons for being here and gathering around God and, and what it means to be a disciple. And my kids might want to go because they want to have fun, they want to have fun and connect with people. And there's like they have friends at church and they have friends at school and sometimes those overlap. But I'm always thinking about like, man, what mm-hmm. it, it, at bare minimum, what a great experience it would be for my 
my children to think about church in a very positive sense and their presence in it, not only because of what is happening is good, but mm-hmm. because of the people that they're connecting with is, is very good. And it's, you almost like, sometimes, unfortunately, we boil things down to an, an hour, an hour and a half a week when it comes to engagement in the church, but how do you create more and more opportunities yeah. uh, for students to gather, not only with each other, obviously of youth ministry with that too, but like other adults in the church. Like we had a conversation about you know creating more and more of those opportunities uh, for mixed genders or mixed genders mixed uh, uh, generations and and families to be able to get together so that the older people in your congregation can pour into your younger and and that's actually the beauty of the church overall. I mean, even thinking about uh, some of Scripture itself talks about the value of the you know the elder people within the midst of mm-hmm. a congregation or the God's people how important they are mm-hmm. for those who are being raised up in uh, the next generation. So, you know, one one question obviously is going to be more like oriented towards uh, the youth pastor. So, Anne-Marie, you have the uh, you have the ears of at least maybe five uh, youth pastors listening to <laughs> five this. Five to seven. Five to seven, <laughs> maybe listening to this, maybe more. But, you know, I think sometimes, and I've been guilty of this, is that, um, you know, parents can, or youth pastors can be annoyed with parents because of, them choosing sports over a youth ministry event or a youth group or something like that, or you know, wanting more out of their parents and what they're doing. Now you have five kids and you guys are uh, very busy. Uh, I know that you know just in talking to you guys and you, you, one time you know we talked about maybe throwing me on the family schedule, uh, the calendar, <laughs> so I knew what was going on and how to plan things accordingly with them. Um, but you know, what would you want to? What kind of perspective? Uh, or what would you say to give perspective to a youth pastor listening about the per- parents' perspective in terms of your own, you know, you know, faithfulness of pursuing God in your everyday life, but also balancing it uh, with you know church engagement, but also balancing it with your schedule. Like, what would you want a youth pastor to know from a parent's perspective about what it's like to be a parent in that regard and to set more realistic expectations for them? <laughs> I mean, I think we should probably do youth parent, youth pastor, parent swap, and then <laughs> that's a good idea. That you could just sort of live a day, follow the day mm. in life. Um, I I think probably is that maybe from the youth pastor perspective, it's maybe a narrower mindset because you're mm-hmm. focused on the. Um, you know, really on the spiritual journey of that child. But I think that there's also, there's so many things that are going on with a child that you may not see, especially if there's not a lot of communication. So there could be, you know, learning delays um, we've dealt mm. with in our family. Lots of time, you know, just having to have outside people just to help with, um, you know, academics. Um, and so I think there's like things like that that probably you don't have a perspective on um, to see those types of things happening. I think just even family dynamics like what's the family going through or even as a as say a parent am I you know caregiving a lot for someone else you know driving places you know Sophia and I just talked about this today mm-hmm. and it's like um yeah, I want her to come. I want my daughter to come to Bible study, but it's at three o'clock in the afternoon. So if you're working full time, it's really hard. It's also like even logistically just hard to wrap your mind around. It's like, sure, it seems like just get a carpool, but like, how am I inconveniencing another mom that lives totally on the other side in a different district, you know, to come do that? Also, I've got like between the five kids, I'm pulling so many favors. I have to sort of see like, how, which favor do I use today to overburden right. this particular mom? I also have to develop relationships with those moms to even get to the point where you're comfortably like can I pawn my child off on you yet again (laughs) and so I think that there's there's those dynamics even like as just like the exhausted parent if you're working full-time and you're trying to think oh how do I um you know how do I put how, how do I make that even happen logistically? So a lot of time for us, it's because of five kids, mm-hmm. it's a logistics issue. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, even things where there's, there's really, there's little shifts in logistics. If you tell me it's always like a Bible study is always at the church. And I know that's a consistent thing that's happening. Then I can kind of plan around that. If we're, we talked about this one year, if we're rotating houses every week and I don't know until Monday where that house is, if that house is 30 minutes away from me, that's a huge logistical right. problem um, mm-hmm. for me to figure that out and so depending on the kids or you know we we talked a bit this one time you know both of the middle school kids were in the same time slot well I can't be you know two places at once not to mention I got three other ones that need to be in their three places at once and so sometimes it's the sacrifice of saying look I can't drag the young baby 
to drive all, you know, a half an hour and to drop off and a half an hour back, spend an hour in a car for a Bible study, even though I want that. So mm-hmm. sometimes it's just pure logistical, not necessarily even desire. Like you try really hard to make it work, but you might not have had the time to figure that out. You may not have enough connections yourself within the church body to pull those favors you know there's a few people like if they're doing something then I can usually be like we can make this work Mm -hmm. but if I don't know and I don't see the sign up so I don't even know who you know it's like it's not Mm -hmm. even public for me to say well who who else is involved in this particular event where I can even create those so then it's just like it becomes so hard and overwhelming for me that I'm just like this is something I just have to give up on um so I think you have I would probably say that families are busy, um, but I think you can still be like an intentional, like we're busy family, but we're very intentional to try to make what works if we can. Mm -hmm. Um, And then sometimes I think it's also trying to drive it from the opposite side. Like what I find even, you know, like for us is like my middle schoolers don't want me telling them what to do. Mm -hmm. But if they were getting the communication directly, if, you know, if the youth leader was texting them or whatever communication with them and they saw who was there and as soon as one of my kids see that somebody else that you know can kind of start then it's like this is fun this is not my mom's making me go to bible study um or my mom's making me go thursday night youth group um it's like they're everybody is doing that but what i find is a lot of the communication is me getting the email me talking to seeing you know like working it out with them versus even like they're getting to an age where they're manage starting to manage their own interests and calendar and so um i think there's there's some of that that could probably what does that look like as they exit from the elementary years move into those middle years where they still need you to orchestrate the rides but if my kids ask me and say i want to go to bible study i will somehow make it happen yeah right right, right when yeah. i have to be like do you want to go to bible study no okay we're gonna make, we're gonna do this and it, it all kind of falls apart really quickly yeah well and, and i think so it sounds like what you're saying to take what you said previously about being involved in the church and all of this, it, it sounds like the more that we connect with one another, at least youth pastor to kid, and it's youth pastors, I think, have done a good job of either communicating well, sometimes just to the parents who email, or the opposite sometimes happens where they just communicate to the kids and the parents have no idea what's going on. Yeah. But it it's both and yeah. this stream of there's value in communicating with the kids not because the parents aren't going to say yes, but like what you're saying is I want them to go. But just like my son talking to the gentleman at church about college, I could tell him 10 times he has one conversation with someone else and he's going. And so it's understanding that dynamic that it's not enough to say, well, I communicated in an email or I sent a text. And how do we build that communication so that we're doing both? And I think that's something that I'm even still trying to learn because here's the other challenging dynamic is not every kid has communication. And so now you're adding that in and and it can be challenging, but what I think what you're saying here is very helpful to hear from a youth pastor's perspective in the sense of, Hey, I want my kid to go, but sometimes it's a personal invite with my encouragement that really makes it happen more than just, I had the summer calendar. Okay. Yeah. And I mean, I think it's also thinking um, as I look at different things that my kids do get involved in, whether, you know, it's like a Christian event or not, yeah. it's it's social media. It's talking to them through things like even that communication of they're seeing things or this is going on. You know, I want to go do this. Like the own reminders coming. Mm-hmm. I think they're just moving from this. If my mom wants it, I'm probably just going to not. Um, but if it seems cooler for my friends and they're getting involved or outside sure. forces kind of entering in that, it just... Um, it's an easier sell versus like I'm nagging them enough all day long, especially now that they're on summer break and it's like dishes, pick up your room, do all these things. And then it's just like, and Bible study, they, I think they want to break free and they want to do what they want to do, but it can still be that if it comes from a different outside direction. Well, and as you've admitted, you want, these are all things that our kids have to do, right? They have to pick up, they have to do these things and you want them to want to do it. And so, but you also don't want to lump as hard as you want to. It sounds like you don't want to lump Bible study in with doing the dishes yeah. because they're one is definitely more important than the other. But the problem is you have to communicate the same way to your kids of it's time to do it. And you're, you're saying this extra dimension really helps with that importance. I think that's helpful to hear. And I think when they're younger, when you are 
prior to that middle school years, that's how you're forming and shaping yep. them. You have yep. to give them those, you know, all of the the guidelines on that. But I see is like when they start moving into those middle school years and especially into the, the high school years, mm-hmm. this is actually preparing them. What is college life going to mm-hmm. look like for you? And so we're even working that through with Caleb. Caleb is responsible for driving two of the kids typically, and I take the little ones. And I will go a little bit earlier. He will get there, you know, like the timing there. But this is almost like this this phase to sort of see like he's exhausted you know but he's, he's now having his sister wake him up and say I think we should be leaving soon like, <laughs> let's not walk in late and they're creating their own you know responsibility but yeah. technically if he doesn't practice this now he's going to be exhausted in college it's yeah. going to be even worse than what you see now yeah. but if I'm always the one I'm waking you up I'm making sure you're getting into my car I'm right. driving you over there to make sure that you arrive on time now it's like are you there are you not like we're gonna have we're gonna have some years of ex- you know even though I'm like my ideal we all are in the family car together and we're going to drive into church together and we're leaving together but what we found is that this is actually growing a responsibility is like nope and if you don't if you don't wake up without my reminder and you miss church then you miss church Mm. and what we found is it actually like has been a greater motivator Mm. like that okay i can do this (laughs) or not do this right i want to ask a controversial question i'll bring up a controversial topic and get your response to it so only because you are a very sport heavy family now I don't know if you know this, but many youth pastors actually have a very strong negativity towards sports central types of family. So the like all the time commitments that go to that, all of the, you know, the ways that it takes away from a youth pastor being able to like run their program effectively. I think you said it really well earlier. You talked about the like they have a very narrow frame of which they work in, like their life. This is their job. Right. But like you as a parent, you're not that narrow. I mean, it's pretty broad. So, like, what perspective could you give as a sport family to a youth pastor about the complications that go along with that and the reasons why? I mean, because, like, in an ideal world for, we talk about ideal, in a youth pastor's world where they just would find it to be the best thing in the world if you just would just quit a sport and just be at youth group all the time. I think that that for some youth pastors, that's like a real thought that they would have, or at least like skip a game or skip a practice. Uh, now, games are a little bit more hard to skip than a practice, but like skip a practice. Tell your coach that you're not going to be there on that night, and that's how it is sort of thing. So what perspective might you give to a youth pastor who maybe has that sort of mentality, especially as their attitude towards sports may not be the most ideal or you know positive? Well, and I think to preface it, too, because one, I think your heart for discipleship in your kids has been clear in this whole podcast. Right, absolutely. So there's no denying that your desire is for your kids to know Christ. And I think that sometimes the overall assumption is parents of sports families would rather their kids play sports than know Christ. Yeah. And if you think that, you can't think that any longer after hearing right, Anne-Marie, right? right? We right? know at least one. Yeah, at least. <laughs> She's trying. <laughs> I mean, I think that's... I think that's one like assumption yeah. that you, you have to battle if that if that is the case. And so maybe you don't know the heart of your parent well enough or you need to ask mm. them this. Like, I don't think find this as a controversial question um, because I think it's a reality. And I think especially in this day and age, just as the culture is shifting, it used to be there were no sports on Sundays yeah. or there there was a limited, you know, like we weren't year round or you had different you know seasons of things. Um, and then for me, especially multiplying that by five. God has gifted me for some reason, because I'm not an athlete myself, athletic children, and they're very talented in that. Mm -hmm. Um, If I come back to by not being an athlete myself, I probably have the youth pastor's mindset more on that, okay, why can't we just not go on Sunday? And my husband, who is an athlete, would look at me again, and we would have a sanctifying (laughs) moment. And we've had this discussion a lot. We, you know, we've gone through that. And I think this is also too, is that this is the discipleship that happens for the parent as well. I've had to receive counsel on it. I've had to check different sports can be an idolatry, you know, anything that you are, you know, theoretically putting ahead of Christ are things that you need to check in, whether, you know, it's like your possessions, your wealth, you know, like your sports can be that same thing too. So I think that there's one, it's like you go through your own heart cleanse process 
process as you go through every year to sort of look like, well, where is this ranking in our priorities and how much value are we putting? You know, what are our values and where does that go into it? But also what's the reality? You know, the reality is, is that if there is a championship game at 10 o'clock on Sunday morning, if you're playing, you're going to the championship game Mm -hmm. too. And you have to make that decision. I think for our family, what has happened and we have to take every season, meaning sports season, um, prayerfully. And we pray about it and we pray that God could align the, and we know that he can align our schedules in a way that opens up that opportunities where we can do both and not sacrifice. In times that it doesn't work that way, when things do get scheduled and we have to, um, we we end up choosing, let's say, the sport um, versus maybe the youth group or the Bible study or having, you know, whatever that might look like, then I think it's prayerfully looking that week to week. Every single, our schedules usually come out on Tuesdays and every um, week my prayer is that it'll rain on Sunday. (laughs) You know, my prayer, you know, there's an intentional focus is that God will make this work for his glory and his kingdom. Mm -hmm. But I think on the other hand is like for us that we found as part of that prayer is that the sports fields has become a mission field for us. Mm -hmm. And there has been so many opportunities and people and, um, moments, gospel moments on these fields that we are on and with these families that we would never ever have had if we were actually sitting in youth group or even sitting on church on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And so when we, when, when you're really intentional to think about that and pray for it and look for it, then actually going there on Sunday, I used to actually myself get really bitter about it because I was Mm -hmm. like, I don't want to, you know, I don't necessarily even enjoy watching youth sports. And so, and, and we spend a lot of time watching it. And so until I even started understanding the game or even really getting into it, I was like, why am I wasting my time doing all of this? I couldn't grapple to it. But then once I shifted and kind of looked at it, it's like, if this were my mission field, Mm -hmm. what does that look Mm -hmm. like? And how do I prayerfully enter it? So now it's like, a lot of our time is like we will, you know, as a family, we'll look at our roster. My kids will quiz me on them. We'll look at do, what do we know about them? Are they, you know, it's like I'll write down a roster and I will put little, you know, like a plus by, okay, are they believers? Do we know anything? And a lot of time it's like you might be going to, you're not even thinking that way. You're not thinking missionally. Mm-hmm. Then I start praying for those families and start thinking, okay, I have an opportunity. I'm sitting with them for maybe 12 hours on a Saturday. How can I learn more about them? Where can I see, you know, their struggles? How can I start entering into that? And then God's going to open up gospel opportunities in that. And I think that when I face the Lord one day and mm. he has seen that heart in it, he's going to, it's going to reconcile itself. I think often what happens is that I get caught more into people pleasing, like, oh, what's Joel thinking, you know, mm. when we can't do that? What's this, you know, what somebody yeah. else thinking? And I think it's really between you and the Lord and that intentional, like, what are you using that for? And prayerfully saying that I'm trying to make this decision for your glory and I hope it's the right one. And if it's not, please redeem it um, in some way. Well, you said something there that I think is really important. You said it early on, but I want to come back to it that uh, we often don't know the heart of the parents that we are trying to serve. Right. And I think that my experience has been that the more time I take to get to know a parent that parent is usually the proactive one then to help work through any of these challenges. I have parents saying, Hey, we're trying, we're going to miss this Wednesday. We're ma- but we're switching this around to do like, yeah. we're having that open communication. Why? Because they know my heart and I know their heart. And, and if this comes down to assumptions of uh, what's going on behind the scenes and this that, and the other, of course, we're probably going to get callous towards one another. Right. And then nothing good is happening. Right. And then, then you're not going to, as a parent who thinks I'm callous towards you, you're not going to make that extra effort to try to push your, your son or your daughter to get involved. Um, and if I think you're an absent parent, I'm not going to make that extra push to reach out to your son or daughter. And now guess who's losing the kid yeah. in all of that. That's the one that's losing. And so, um, if you're listening to this and you're feeling convicted, good. Uh, <laughs> I, I hope it's convicting to me too, because it's easy to become cynical. Um, it's easy to become cynical when, uh, you just so desire for things to go well, but instead take that opportunity, get to know the hearts of your parents. Uh, I think that will go far, far, farther 
um, than you expect. Yeah, and I think it's a, I want to get to my last question here in a second as we begin to wrap up, but I think it also speaks to the insecurity that can be within youth pastors sometimes. Preach. Be, because, because there has to be uh, some, you, you have to measure stuff in order to validate your existence. Like, and so when you're bumped up against all these things that take away from the numbers that help you validate or help have helped me in the past validate my existence as a, as my job, like as my job, like I, it, it is a, to your point, you would use the word earlier, it is an idolatry mm-hmm. and it, it's mm-hmm. in the end. And sometimes it's not even about the student. It's about the amount of kids you can get to show up to a thing. And so I think starting without thinking about yourself first and thinking about, okay, what's going on with this family and how can I, is there any way I can help or come alongside them? Uh, that's great. But I think it's a, it's something to keep in mind for the youth pastor that there is a lot more moving parts than they realize your, your thing is not the only thing in their life. Uh, and to check your heart to know your parents well in that. So I will want to ask this question. Because anytime I have a meeting with any parent, it's the question I always finish with. We talked about this before we hit record. Is, uh, Amory, what do you think that the church could do better in terms of its dis- helping, you know, parents come alongside, um, or, you know, come alongside parents to help them raise their kids up in the faith and help them disciple their, their children? I mean, I think a lot of time as I talk to different parents, you know, I happen, I think I have the benefit is that I read a lot. I'm, you know, connected to a lot of, you know, resources. And so I think I grow from a natural learning, but I don't think that probably the average mom or dad is that just like, you know, ongoing learning on say something like family discipleship or books to use with them. So I think even as the church as to provide, you know, we were talking about earlier about the seminar that um, our student ministries put on for the talk. And that's an area where I don't, that's not an area that I'm reading a lot about, um, you know, gender and sexuality in these areas. But I would like to know, like narrow down, okay, here's a few books to read, or here's some of the, you know, the topics that are being approached, you know, culturally, or here's some of the debates um, to kind of that was really helpful because it just sort of narrowed that down mm-hmm. to say, here's a starting point for you. You know, so I think that even collecting that at, OK, he, even, you know, it's like I had a conversation with a mom the other day. She was like, I want to buy a Bible for my middle school or what Bible would I buy? And so if it's not really clear to say, like, OK, you know, here's kind of like the, you know, even at our church, we have this church bookstore, I guess you would call it, in the Welcome Center. But, you know, are we updating that? Are we really thinking about no. the resources? No, actually, we're tearing that was it out. A, that was actually a trick we're question. We're sitting down <laughs> in the library <laughs> of our church. Yeah, yeah you are. I mean, we're that tearing was, it out because nobody Joel's, uses it. That was Joel's trick question. But <laughs> it, um, because I've looked at some and then I'm like, oh, those have been in there it's, very, it's been, very long yeah, time. Very long time. But I think that you could update something like that to say, here are, you know, like, here's like the Bible that we would recommend when they are in these years. Here's the Bible the church would recommend middle school, high school, getting ready to go away to college. Here's the books that we recommend to give to your college graduate. Here's the books that we recommend that you move into, like even the whole talk about the talk. um, There's several books that I go through with my kids when they're like three years old and five years old. But I have several people in my Bible study, they're young moms. They're like, I would have never known these things if we didn't, you know, talk about. They're like, what are our books? You know, it's like people want to know and they're willing to invest in resources and to talk about it and to meet about it but I just don't think that we are necessarily equipping um, in those areas Um, and and this gets to a good point that in your we've tried to do this more and more in our weekly and monthly communications with parents is to be giving resources on topics that are think that are coming up or things that they might think about but you're right to have a hub or something that can be that easily accessible so they don't have to ask every time because I think and I think sometimes it's people don't know who to ask, yeah, you know, exactly. so like sometimes people don't have the same relationships. Yep. You know, we were talking about even like pastor, you know, accessibility, you know, mm. you, some people might have an easier you know, relationship where I can text Joel and I can say, mm-hmm. OK, I have yeah. this question mm-hmm. um, in exchange for like a Chick-fil-A sandwich, you know, <laughs> if you'll answer this for me. But not everybody's going to have those relationships. And so and you got to assume that most people aren't having those relationships. Right. So how are they, you know, getting that um, one thing? that I love that new community has been doing these last couple years and we've talked about this is kind of like these integrated studies has been really helpful um, to me and my family discipleship so because 
when every when everyone's learning, if I'm learning something, whether it's you know on Sunday, and I'm also in another Bible study, you know, these are all things that we're putting up. But then when my kids are learning something else, and so maybe my son is yeah. in the Book of James, and then my daughter is in Colossians, and then my three other ones are doing whatever, and they're trying to ask me for as much as I know about the Bible, I can't be like, oh yeah, that's exactly what's happening in James right now. And that's what that word means. And this is what's happening now if we'd pop back over to Genesis and our sermon series on that. So I think when we can, there's more communication even within the different um, areas of the church. And you can be like, when we went through the whole book of Genesis Mm -hmm. and the, um, the teens were going through it and I was, you know, it's like I was reading this book and we were like, let's go back to Genesis and we'll read this to go back to it. When we're in the car, we're all kind of starting to talk about some of the similar topics. And that really helps me from a discipleship perspective, because when you multiply what we're all learning times five, I can't be in five different, you know, topical (laughs) areas at one time. Um, You know, and even with the little kids, like they come home with like a tear out sheet. But it's a a different story maybe than what we're learning upstairs and so just for my own you know sanity and mind shifting it's hard to be like okay let's go to that story and what's the key topic but if that's what I just learned in adult church and that's what they're learning in children's church then we can just be like you know this last week it actually you know I'm not sure even what the curriculum but it's like that's where it's I think partnering with the parents to say here's um, and I know the youth ministry was doing that on Thursday like here's what we're talking about here's sort of what is coming up to Mm -hmm. try and help the parents you know track on that I think if they're you know not a lot of people probably are reading the emails I think if there's occasional like here's a small group meeting we're going to talk about for this next year here's what the church is going to go through we're going to go through the you know the book of acts and the teens are going to go through this and this is why it connects Mm -hmm. to you know maybe they're going to go through understanding church history and that's why it connects with the book of acts and our children are going to be going through this and women's ministry is going to be going through this and this is how this all it gets integrated and tied together i think helps a parent who's got like five spokes of that going out in all different directions i see kind of it all yeah yes i i've seen over the last two years, especially the just integrated series become way more of a positive than ever. It would ever be close to a negative. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I was with, um, I was a, with a friend of mine, uh, who just became a pastor discipleship at his, his church. And, and they're, uh, there's kind of a church start They're you know, they're low in numbers, but they're, they're growing. And he was kind of talking to me about like, hey, what are some curriculums that we could take our small groups through? How is like, how about the curriculum that everybody experiences on Sunday morning? Uh, now they're it's called the Bible. Yeah, right, right. Well, it's the Bible, but it's it, sure. It, what a it's organized. you know what we do in our church is like every after every service on a Sunday, we send out what the scripture will be for the next week. And and right now, um, we're we're about to start the Psalms. We're going through. Um, particular rotations of the Psalms, but when we get to the fall, we'll probably go through an entire book from beginning to end. Um, But what happens is we'll send out an email about what that is, and then we have all of these different groups that meet throughout the week to spend time in God's Word together, uh, and then they come on Sunday to kind of just hear what the pastor spent his entire time talking about. So you're you're having what she's saying is like you're having all these different conversations that are happening around the same text and the same content leading all the way up into mm-hmm. that Sunday morning. Now, there may be some things that the pastor might not, not hit on from a theological or contextual standpoint. Yeah. I, I had James 5, 13 through 20 a couple weeks ago. There was so much in that text yep. I couldn't unpack it all. But like I'm sure that was a great place for them to like unpack that together. And it's all happening prior to the people arriving mm. um, sort of thing. So, And you can so, do that as like, we'll do that as our family discipleship. Right. Yes, so because absolutely. we have right the, there. you know, like, schedule of what those psalms are and you know that those are coming out so then it's like you can start asking those you know you can start asking those questions so it's not only your own discipleship you're having Mm -hmm. to like dig into psalm one but then your kids are going to read that but then when the kids are sitting in it then they're not like this is so boring because i don't understand what we're talking about it's just a little bit more linear to them it's like oh this week we talked about psalm one and this week joel's talking about psalm one and so (laughs) it just it makes it a little bit more less complicated and mm-hmm. it's almost like the most beautiful way because you're just focusing on what the word so is saying. It sounds like what you're saying is youth pastors maybe should read the Bible, exegete the scriptures right. no, yeah. and walk through it together with their youth group instead of worrying about 
buying a thousand dollar can curriculum. Right. I yeah. So it, what's interesting now? What Sophie and I decided maybe two years ago is like we're not paying for anybody. We're just going to write our own curriculum. Yep. Yep. Now we did like we have sort of a set way of which we were doing things. Like we like middle. We kind of had a plan for middle school to senior sure. year of what high schoolers would be doing differently than middle schoolers. Um, but we, uh, you know, it's not to say that we could integrate those at some point entirely. I think it is hard because everybody has a different, like you think about women's ministries needs versus men's ministries needs. Not everybody's on the same page and, uh, in that, but they're trying to do different things mm-hmm. at different times, especially so over the summer. So it's the, I think where we are right now is good because it presents a very reasonable and easy way to be able to get people to engage the text. And yep. that's a great point. Even as like a parent, that's what we were trying to do with the um uh with the student ministry is the email was we sent it on saturday morning for what was going to happen the following thursday and parents would have five to six days in order to spend to you know get sit down with that particular text that we're going to study together and then they had some follow-up questions from that now was that the one that was preached that hurt to talk about it you know as what we were talking about on sunday but that requires a uh, and i know you always text adam what's the next thing because in exchange for a chick-fil-a sandwich i can get the sermon schedule in advance just so you know we yeah we get right now we don't do it because if you would like the sermon schedule (laughs) i'm always surprised to see the chick-fil-a sandwich you know in my text my love language is a spreadsheet with the sermon schedule (laughs) you and rebecca harper you two want that sucker so bad that is how i would like to be shepherd yes right a spreadsheet somebody tell me well we've been in matthew for four and a half months (laughs) we'll be in matthew for another seven months so there there. you go where's my chick-fil-a sandwich yeah Yeah, there you go there you go so um well this has been a wonderful i see i knew i was excited about so good well the other nice thing is like this was uh, one of our first early listeners now she speeds through things, but like a four Why and a half. Why is that speed. a caveat? That's fantastic. I know it is good. It's just I know she. It was like the she first has five thing. kids. If she I didn't can li- speed I can listen things, to more of you when I hear there you, you talk a little bit faster. Okay, I will. So do goodbye. <laughs> yeah. So well, thank you for joining us, Anne Marie. This was great to have you on our podcast, mm. and I hope you were blessed with this experience and that a lot of. La- I had a lot of laughter. I don't think I've laughed that much. Yeah, I'm gonna have to turn down the volume. Yeah, well, I, that's why right back away from the microphone i I, I, I was aware of my surroundings but uh so thank you for listening to our podcast today um we hope you subscribe uh and wherever you get your uh, podcasts and uh, we look forward to talking to you on our next one have a good one see you bye thanks so much for listening to this episode of the disciple making youth ministry podcast we sure do hope you enjoyed it if you haven't done so already make sure you subscribe wherever it is you consume your podcast We hope you have been encouraged by what you have heard and you're ready to jump into the hard work of disciple making. Catch you on the next one.